Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. All right, turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. You already hate me, and I, pre- I love you, though. Good to be here. I don't know how many times I've been here, but at least once or twice a year I come down and uh, and I love sharing with you. I love, I think there, there's a, 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 your church and my church are very similar, similar worship and uh, expression of the scriptures. And so I want you to turn to Galatians 5 because the message I'm sharing this morning is, is of paramount importance, I believe, to the body of Christ. And I do think there's an awakening happening in the church at large, not just in your church, but around the country. We're, we're seeing baptisms we, we, at New Life Church last year. In 2021, we baptized 551 people just last year. And there's tremendous stories of salvation and healing, people coming to Christ in unprecedented ways. And I believe a lot of it is because of the topic I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about walking by the Spirit. This is the passage, the phrase that Paul used in Galatians. So before I tell you that, get to the text, let me tell you this story. When I was a uh, 22, 23 years old, I was a youth pastor and then I was a coach at the school that, that would belong to the church. So I was doing two jobs, basically. And so basketball season had come to an end. And right before track season started, our track coach got fired. I won't go into all the details, but he got fired. And the, the athletic director came to me and said, hey, Brady, now that basketball season's over, you're the only one here that can coach our track team until we hire someone. I said, I don't know anything about track. He said, that's not a prerequisite. I said, well... Then I qualify. So I got put in, I, I became for one season and one season only, I was the head boys and girls track coach at this high school. And we had some really good athletes. I mean, we, we were pretty good. But I called them all together, the men, the, you know, the men and the women, the, the students, and I said, look, I don't know anything about track, and I know less about field. I don't know anything, all right? But I do know two things, okay? So I shared this with them in our opening meeting. Number one, run hard, bear to the left, and get back as soon as you can. That's, 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 that's the only strategy I have. If you ever watch track, that's a really good strategy, by the way. Run hard, bear to the left, get back as soon as you can. I said, and then the second thing I know uh, is never, ever catch the javelin. Don't catch the javelin or the shot put or the discus. If it's in the air, let it hit the ground before you go anywhere near it. Because we have bad insurance. I cannot guarantee we can cover your medical bills. So just stay away from anything that's flying. So that's it. Now, to my surprise, we took like seven or eight runners to the state track meet that year and finished like third and fourth. I forget, finished in the top five in the state, and I had no idea what I was doing. I just told them, run hard, do what everybody else is doing, just do it a little bit better. And just, <laughs> just watch them and do what they're doing. And it worked, all right? So I'll tell you this one more story because it helps with the message, all right? First track meet, I had these two young guys who had never participated in any athletic event up until that moment. I can tell you that absolutely that's true. They just wanted to be on the team and they wanted to wear a uniform. So I'm big hearted. We, we needed two guys to run the mile race. I said, hey, all I know about the mile is it's four laps. We'll do it, coach. We'll do it, coach. All right, opening track meet, true story. They're ready to go on the starting line. Their eyes are like as big as saucers, like this. And the guy shoots the gun and they take off on a dead sprint like they're running the 100 meters. I mean, they shoot way out in front of everybody. 
And this old grizzled coach that was standing next to me uh, from another school, he said, who put the rabbits in the race? Who put the rabbits in the race? I don't even know what that means. Apparently, it's a, it's a trick or something. But he was accusing me. I just didn't know anything about track. Now, they finished last and next to last. Because apparently, it's not how you start the race. It's how you finish the race, right? So here, here's what I wrote this down. I was thinking about this story this week. I could train them. I could instruct them. I could encourage them. But once the race started, they are the ones that had to run the race. So I've come to you today to tell you, Gateway Church, you've been instructed, you've been encouraged, you've been told how, but it's really up to all of us to get in the race, to do what God's called us to do. And I just want to say, do you know this? You've heard this many, many times from Pastor Preston, I know. All of you have a divine purpose in the kingdom of heaven. There are no bleachers in the kingdom of heaven, only a racetrack. All of you have an assignment. You were knit together in the womb of your mother and given spiritual gifts. You have an assignment on your life. You have a purpose for your life. And because of that, Paul is writing back to a church that had gotten knocked out of the race. So when he left Galatia, church was doing fine. He left. He had leaders in place. They had a clear sense of what they were supposed to do. But something had bumped into them. Let's just be honest, okay? The last couple of years, we've been bumped a bit. You've been elbowed. You've been knocked around a little bit, all of us. And listen, 2022 is not off to a great start. I, I just don't, I, I just, it's not, it's a terrible what's happening in the Ukraine. We've been having daily prayer meetings at my church, praying for the church and the people in the Ukraine every single day for several weeks now. We've been meeting and praying. And I believe prayer, by the way, is causing, uh, it's, it's having an effect in the Ukraine. So don't give up praying. The same way we, we pray that they don't give up resisting uh, the invasion forces that are coming to their country, let's ask what we can do is pray. And I just want to encourage you to keep praying, praying for strength, praying for protection, praying for peace over the people of Ukraine. All right, go with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. Because Paul has this on his mind, and he's using racing language. I don't know if you know this or not, but running and racing was a big deal during the time of Paul. There were two really big athletic events that the whole Mediterranean world lived for. It was their Super Bowl. They had the Olympic Games, and they had the Isthmian Games, which are two big competitions, and one of the most popular things in those games was running and racing. So Paul knew that he was talking to people who understood athletics and understood running and racing. And listen to the language. that look in, He's very clear in his language here. Verse 7, you were running a good race. And who cut in on you? Who, who cut in and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Well, Paul is pointing out to them that something has happened. Something has knocked them off center. They're no longer, you know, and listen, most of our lives are not interrupted by one or two bad decisions. Most of our lives are interrupted by a thousand small decisions. Every single day making small choices. And you look up one day and, and you're off the target. You're no longer headed in the spot that God called you to. How did that happen? It wasn't one or two bad decisions. It was a thousand small ones that got us off center. And that's what's happened in the last couple of years. So here's what he's saying in this pa passage. He said, we're all called to run a race. You're in the race, by the way. Whether you want to be or not, 
We're in a fight. We're in a struggle. We are in a race. We're, there's, we're competing for something. Now, you've been given salvation by grace and grace alone, not by works. I understand that. I believe that. I trust that. But we also have an assignment, not for our salvation, but for the sake of his kingdom being revealed to other people on the earth. Let me tell you what your assignment, my assignment, our assignment is. And it's not changed in 2,000 years. And I'm saying this over and over and over to my church because I think we've been distracted. We are called to do two things. Love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbors ourselves. That's the great what? That's the great commandment. The great commission is to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize people. That's our mission. The great commandment and the great commission is still our assignment. Love God, love our neighbor, go make disciples. For 2,000 years, the churches that have stayed steady and true to those assignments are the ones that God keeps blessing. And I believe that about your church. God's going to keep blessing this church because you've stayed true to the primary assignment that God has given the church, the bride. And we're his bride and we have an assignment. So we're called to run a race. But Paul is saying, listen, you can be distracted. And, and the language he uses is that who cut in on you is actually like being elbowed. I don't know if you've ever watched a race where they're all crowded up and they're running together on the track. Like they're really close. I don't know how they don't trip each other up. But sometimes that does happen. And right when they get down to the final stretch, when they're coming around the last lap and the finish line's right in front of them, that's when the elbows kind of start budging. They start, there's a couple of them that will try to break out of the pack and sometimes they have to bump an elbow. And Paul is saying, listen, somebody's elbowed you. Somebody knocked you off your, your pace. Why did you stop running? You got elbowed. You got hit. Think about how many hits you've taken the last couple of years. Raise your hand if you lost a close friend in the last two years. Raise your hand if, if you found yourself with more anxiety. You don't have to raise your hand for this, but some, you've had more anxiety and more, more fear than you've had in a while. Listen, all of that has affected all of us. And that's what happened is the elbows started flying the last couple of years, and we look up and we're not in the race anymore. And he says, and we can be deceived. In fact, one of the surest signs, listen very carefully, this is, this is going to encourage you. One of the surest signs that you're doing something significant for God's kingdom is opposition. You, you, we have a real enemy that wants to distract us, to deceive us, and to discourage us. Those are the three things that the enemy wants to do. He wants to distract you, he wants to deceive you, and he wants to discourage you. And Paul is saying, listen, if you're aware of it, if you know the enemy's tactics, he said, you'll keep walking, you'll keep going through the valley of the shadow of death, and you will fear no evil, because I'm going to lead you in the paths of righteousness for my name's sake. That's a guarantee. But our, our assignment is to keep walking, keep moving, Keep your eyes on the prize that's in front of you. All right, skip down now to verse 16. I'm going to show you something fascinating. It's fascinating to me at least. So Paul in verse 7 said, you were running a good race. Now in verse 16 of Galatians 5, he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. Now that's different language than running. Running and walking are two different things. And he's saying, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh 
desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. Now, I tell my kids this. This is a, it's kind of a joke, but then it's not. But my 23 and my 21-year-old are in college, and, you know, they're, they're becoming, they are adults. They're young adults. And I tell them all the time, the greatest lie that's been told to their generation is to follow your heart. I said, please, please do not follow your heart. Ignore your heart. Follow the Holy Spirit. I look at them and say, please, for the sake of all humanity, stop following your heart. Follow the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul is saying, actually. He's like, if you'll follow the Spirit, you'll stop doing what you want, and you'll, stop, you'll start run the race that God wants you. Listen, all the, I see a lot of young men and women in the room. Ignore your heart. Fall madly in love with the Holy Spirit. Give your life away to the work of the Holy Spirit, and then you can do whatever you want. I tell my kids this. It's very, very simple. If, if your wanter belongs to the Holy Spirit, then you can do whatever you want. If your wanter <laughs> belongs to you, please ignore it. Shut that down. Put it on mute. Stop following it. That's going to get you in trouble. So Paul's saying, listen, listen very good. This is so simple. Paul was saying in verse 16 and 17 that walking always precedes running. In fact, this is true now. Stay with me on this. This is very simple, but stay with me. Every great runner, every great runner that I know started out as a great walker. Is that true, right? Nobody just starts running. And Paul is saying, if you're going to run the race that, I, that God's marked out for you, you'll never run that race until you first learn to walk by the Spirit. Are you, are you, are you with me today? I need some feedback. If three of you say amen, I'll continue this message. Are you with me today? All right, good, good. Because I got a great part. The good part's coming, okay? Stay with me, though. Now, my mom, let me just tell you a story about my mom. My mom is 75 years old. My mom drives a pickup truck and operates a full-size chainsaw whenever a tree falls in her yard. She's tough, tough as nails. I mean, I'm scared of her still, all right? I'm, and I'm 55 years old. She's tough. She's about five foot one. Uh, works harder than any human being I've ever seen in my life, has never taken a prescription med. She's 75. I think the last time she went to the doctor was 2012. I mean, she's just healthy as a horse, gets up every day and works and takes care of people around her. All right, this is a true story. When she, not long ago on a Wednesday night, she came home from a prayer meeting at her little church, and she's, one of the, she's in the youth group at her church, okay? They're, they're, I mean, she's one of the young ones at her church. 75. They would laugh. We're going to start a group for the 60 plus. That's the whole church where she goes, right? They would laugh if they were going to start something for 20 and under, right? They would just laugh. Nobody's there. So my mom comes home from a Wednesday night prayer meeting and there's a five foot Burmese python coiled up at her back door looking for a warm place to spend the night, all right? And my mom says, well, my neighbor turned them out a couple of years ago because the neighbor moved to, to another city that doesn't allow snakes. And the neighbor just turned them out in the backyard. Mom says, and they're getting really big. They're getting big. They're eating everything. So this five-foot Burmese python is curled up at her back door. And my mom believes that uh, any snake, the best snake is a dead snake, all right? Now, I told that joke. I'll come back to that in just a moment. So my mom takes a garden hoe and kills it. And then takes, it's about a 70-pound snake, five foot. 
she takes the snake and dumps it into the, into the, the lake that she lives on. And my, I know it's gross. I'm sorry to gross you out here, but just, you got to understand who my mom is, okay? I said, Mom, why don't you take a picture? She goes, I don't know how to take a picture. So she, she, she doesn't know how to use the camera on her flip phone. She does not have a computer in her house. She does not have Wi-Fi in her house, and she has no idea what social media is. I said, Mom, if, you, if I could just chronicle the stories of your life and put it on Instagram, you would be a rock star. A Burmese python killed by a 75-year-old widowed woman with a garden hoe. And she goes, and it, it, it was hissing at me, Brady. It was hissing at me. I said, yeah, you were hitting it. Of course it's going to hiss at you. All right, my mom. So there, you understand who my mom is, okay? My, my mom, every other Thursday at 10.30 a.m. on the nose, picks up her grandma purse, gets in her pickup, and goes 30 miles to the nearest Walmart to restock the house. Every other Thursday without fail, 10.30 in the morning. So let me tell you what happened a few months ago. My mom is a woman for 50 plus years has been walking by the Spirit. And she she's, fascinates me about how she hears God's voice and how clearly she hears God's voice. So on this particular morning, she walks over and she picks up her purse, her grandma purse, and is about to go to Walmart and the Lord says, don't go. So she puts the purse down. I said, what would you do, Mom? She goes, well, I waited about a half an hour. Went back over, picked up my purse, and the Lord says, don't go. I said, why would you wait 30 minutes? She goes, well, that was enough time for him to change his mind. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the phone conversation with my mom every three or four days. It's fat. You would love to be in on these conversations, I promise. And so she goes over uh, 11, 11.30, noon. 12.30, 1, finally at 1.30 in the afternoon, she goes over to pick up her purse, and the Holy Spirit says, go to Walmart. So my mom faithfully picks up her purse. Three hours. Think about, she's off her schedule now for three hours. That's usually nap time for her. And she doesn't need to be driving during nap time, okay? I'm just telling you. So she picks up her purse, and she drives to the end of her road, and it comes to a T. You take a left to go fishing, you take a right to go to Walmart. That's how I know that. So my mom comes to that stop sign and stops and looks both ways. There's never any traffic. But she stops and she pauses. And down in a ditch, like a four, the, the ditch is like four feet deep, covered in briars and covered in all kinds of stuff, a little woman's head pops up out of the ditch. 21 years old, same age as my daughter. And she's cut up and scratched. She's covered in mud and blood and everything. She's a mess. My mom rolls down the window and does what every other elderly woman, and she lives in deep east Texas, in Shelby County, Texas. Okay, the end of the earth is two miles from her house. If you're, <laughs> if you're a flat earth person, I can tell you where it drops off. Okay, right about two miles from my mom's house. And so she, she rolls down the window, and she says in her east Texas accent, Honey, how can I help you? And the girl says, I need, you to take, I need you to take me to my grandfather's house. Would you do that? And she, the girl gets out of the ditch and gets in my mom's truck. I said, Mom, what, you're letting people in your vehicle? What are you thinking? What are you doing? She goes, Brady, I have a gun. <laughs> I forgot that not only is she tough, she's gunned up. She's like she's packing heat, 75, okay? And so she, the girl gets in the truck with her. 
And my mom's handing her tissue and stuff, you know, stuff that women always have. And she's cleaning it up, cleaning her face out. Turns out her husband's a drug dealer. And some drugs came up missing, and the, the husband thought that, that this girl had stolen it and was going to kill her. So my mom drives this, this fugitive, this girl, to, uh, to five miles to her, her grandfather's house and said, Mom, not only did you let her in the pickup with you, which is disturbing enough, but you drive her to a total stranger's house five miles away. Yes. And so when she pulls into the driveway, this grandfather comes running out of the house and he's sobbing and crying because he thought his granddaughter was dead. Everybody in Shelby County was looking for this girl. And it was around the same time that the other, there was a young girl that was killed out in Utah by her boyfriend. That was going on. And so people, were already, they were already anxious about this. And I, I just want you to hear something, okay? God's not looking for rock stars or super, you don't have to be super smart, super cool for God to use you. You have to be available, though. And I want you to hear, this is a, such a fascinating story to me. How many other people who were Christ followers drove by that ditch? Because everybody in Shelby County is a Christian. I mean, you, you can't shake a stick and not hit a Christian out there, right? They're everywhere. How many other people drove by the ditch? But he found somebody who was paying attention. Listen, this is not that, it's not complicated. If you want to be used by God, pay attention. And that's what my mom did. She was paying attention one morning. Don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. And this girl, my mom doesn't have social media, but for three days, the sheriff's department, everybody in, in that county had been posting this girl's uh, picture Help us find her. She's missing. Help us find her. My mom didn't know any of that. But she's the one that rescued her out of the ditch and saved her life. And that girl, I just checked on her a few weeks ago. My mom says she's doing fine. She divorced the guy, got a restraining order. She's not in that life anymore. She's living with her granddad. And her life is getting back to normal. And I believe her life was saved by a 75-year-old woman who knew how to walk by the Spirit. So I'm, I'm telling you, that's the true story. Normally, I don't let facts get in the way of a good story. But that's a true story. That happened exactly the way I told you. Some of you caught that. I appreciate that. The eight of you that were listening really caught that. I appreciate it. <laughs> so let me tell you three things that I've watched my mom do now for years and years and years. This is no accident that this happened, okay? I'm going to show you these three things. If you want to live, some of you, and I, I, I know this for myself. Some of you are bored with your faith, and that's not God's fault. It's our fault. There's nothing boring about following Jesus when you're paying attention to the Spirit. When you're living this kind of life, my mom has so many. I have these stories. I, I'll just tell you one more. I was in Guatemala not long ago. I was speaking at this pastor's event, and it was late at night. I'd, I'd gotten through speaking, and, it was, and I was tired, and I was ready to go back to the hotel. It was about a 30-minute drive back to the hotel where I was staying in Guatemala City. And it was, it was, you know, Guatemala is dangerous enough. And we were having to go through some places that late at night, you don't really want to be there. But I trusted the guy that was driving me. So I got ready to go and I looked at him and he speaks very broken English. And I speak very broken Spanish. And I said, you want to go back to the hotel? Can you drive me back? He goes, no, not yet. I said, well, is there, I mean, why not? And he goes, the Lord said no. I said, okay. I 
I, I'm, I have, I'm with him. <laughs> I don't know. I can't drive. I don't have a vehicle. So I just sat there. And it was really awkward. Just, you know, we don't have a lot to talk about because we don't speak, I don't speak the language well enough. And, and I don't know where my translator was. And so I was just standing there. It must have been 20 minutes. That guy goes, okay, now we go. And we got in the truck and he drove me to the uh, hotel. Now I'll have to wait until heaven to know if that guy was what he was hearing. But he said, we're not going yet. I mean, I just all, so many of these stories goes on in my life all the time where the Lord comes and speaks. So I'm going to share these things with you, okay? Three things that if you want to live a life like this, it's available to every one of you in this room. Number one, and this is most important, number one is that we welcome the Holy Spirit each day. Now, when I get home, let me tell you this story. When I get home tonight, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen because it happens every time I'm out of town. I'm going to walk in the house, and Pam's going to hear the garage door coming up, and she'll come down and meet me and, and where I come in. And she'll hug me, and she'll say, how was your trip? And she'll say, we missed you here. Glad you're home safely. Now, what, what would happen tonight is if Pam came down and, and went to the trouble of greeting me, what would happen tonight if I just walked past her and ignored her? Well, about three days later, I'd be able to see out of my left eye because that's what she would do. She would correct me. Now, she doesn't hit me, and I don't hit her. But the point is, she would be upset, and it would not go well for a few days. Let me just tell you that. If I, if I give her the cold shoulder, it's not going to go well for a while. I know that for a reason. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you woke up and you said, Holy Spirit, I'm so glad you're here with me today? You talk to Jesus. You talk to the Father, don't you? When was the last time you spoke to the Holy Spirit? He's a person. He's a presence. He's powerful, but he is a person. The Bible is very clear about that. He's a person. The same way you talk to Jesus, the same way you talk to the Father in heaven, the same thing you say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you today. I'm glad you're with me today. And I was here about a year ago, and I taught you a, a three-word prayer. Some of you may remember this, but it's about a 1,700-year-old prayer. And I prayed it this morning when I woke up in the hotel. I woke, I woke up. The first thing I said this morning was, come, Holy Spirit. Now, why did I say that? I don't believe the Holy Spirit ran off and left me last night. It wasn't that. The Holy Spirit's never left me or abandoned me. It's me saying to the Holy Spirit, I know you're there. I'm glad you're there. I want you to speak to me today. Come, Holy Spirit. I, I recognize your presence in my life. The same way you would greet your spouse or your friends when you see them. It's the same way we should greet the Holy Spirit. My mom says every morning she speaks to the Holy Spirit. Well, it's no wonder then that the Holy Spirit speaks back to her. Is this good? It's good, right? <coughs> All right, I, mean, some of, I know the question, some, especially young believers ask me this question. Well, Pastor Brady, how do I know if it's God? So let me tell you one more story. So when, when I was dating Pam 35 years ago, that this was before we had caller ID on the phone. I know, it sounds like 100 years ago, but some of you remember rotary dial phones. Like if you had a lot of eight and nines in your number, nobody called you because it was too much work. It's like, jeez, jeez. So, but when the phone rang, there was no caller ID. You didn't know who it was. So when I first started dating Pam or getting to know her, there were others, some other girls that I also liked. And that's not true today, but it was then. I remember the first time Pam called me, her voice sounded a lot like somebody else's voice. Now, I had three seconds 
to get that right, right? All the ladies in the room know this. Three seconds to get that right or it's game over. Don't pass go. Don't collect 200 bucks. You're going to jail. So I, I remember going, I think this is Pam. I think this is Pam. Hey, Pam. Hey, Brady. Yes. 35 years later, I'm married to her because I got it right. Now, listen. Now, Pam could be sitting in that room, anywhere in this room, and I could look at her, and she'd give me volumes of information with body motions and movements. You know why? Because she's discipled me well. And that's the whole reason women get married. They just want to know, can they disciple another, this, a man? Can they teach them the language of woman? I know it well. I'm fluent in the language of woman now. 32 years of marriage, I'm fluent. I am bilingual. I speak English and I speak Pam, right? How, how did that happen? The reason now that I can hear Pam's voice is because Pam's voice is exclusive to me. And the reason most people are not hearing God's voice clearly is because you got too many other options. When you hunger and thirst after the voice of God, when he becomes your primary source of wisdom and training and instruction, when the Holy Spirit becomes primary, I promise you, over the course of months and years, the same way you know the voice of your children and your parents, you will hear God's voice. It just has to become exclusive to you. If you're listening to 20 other voices, good luck with trying to discern if it's God or not. Because a lot of voices sound like God, but there's only one voice of the Lord. Only one. And my mom in 50 years knew when she picked up the purse, that wasn't her flesh talking. No, don't go yet. All right, I'm not going. Right, that's the first thing. Second one, if you're going to welcome the Holy Spirit, the first thing he's going to ask you to do is give up your schedule. You know why most people, there's two, I've already given you the first reason that nobody gets used by God like this is because they don't hear God's voice. But then secondly, when God does speak, it bothers you. My mom, three, three hours out of her day, she had other stuff to do. But she was willing to alter her schedule to be interrupted for the sake of saving this girl's life. And she didn't know why she was being interrupted. She just trusted the Lord. Listen, I'm, I'm, just wanting, I'm not here to rebuke you. I'm just here to encourage you, okay? As American Christians, we worship comfort. We do. We, work, we worship convenience. We worship comfort. Let's be honest, right? But if we will decide that we can be bothered a bit, that our schedule can be altered, the Holy Spirit will start speaking to you more if he knows he can trust that you'll obey. You know, listen, 90% of this, 90% of the time when the Lord speaks to me like this is simply to encourage someone, to, to ask them, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How can I pray for you? I call people all the time because I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to call somebody. I'll call them, hey, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Just had you on my mind today. You ever had somebody tell you that? Had you on my mind today? Well, who put you on their mind? It was the Holy Spirit's work. I had you on my mind. Woke up thinking about you today. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit prompting you. Call them. Check on them. Don't text them. Call them. Voice to voice, face to face if possible, but check on them. And then, which means the third thing that will happen is we pay attention to the Holy Spirit. This is where it gets really exciting. All day long, I'm just paying attention to the Holy Spirit as if he was right here with me, and he is. The Holy Spirit's right here. 
The whole room is filled with the Spirit today. Do y'all know that? This whole room is filled with the Holy Spirit in you, around us, with us. Pay attention. Be willing to alter your schedule and acknowledge him. So we welcome him, we surrender, and we pay attention. And that's what happened with my mom. And a girl's life was saved because a 75-year-old widowed, retired woman who did not finish high school, who drives a pickup truck and uses a chainsaw, was paying attention. Listen, this is not hard. It just requires us to be in love with the things of God and be willing to pay attention. Let me read one more scripture to you. Hebrews 12. It's one of my favorite scriptures. And oftentimes when I'm trying to comfort a family at a funeral, I love this scripture because it's comforting. But it's not a funeral passage. It is a right now kingdom of heaven passage of scripture. Listen to this. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Same writer who wrote Galatians 5 wrote Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Think about a stadium, a whole stadium filled with your grandmas and aunts and uncles and the saints of old surrounding you. I was in Wells not long ago, and I, I was walking through to a church, and there was this massive graveyard outside. I had to walk through. There's a pathway. I had to walk through the graveyard to get to the church. And, I, and the pastor said to me, I said to the pastor, I said, all the church growth experts in America would not encourage you to put a graveyard all the way around your church. He goes, oh, that's my favorite part of coming to church. Walking past my great-grandmother's tomb. Those are, those are my family members that have come before me. And I walk into church, and it reminds me that I'm carrying a torch that they've passed to me. Maybe we've lost something in the American church. Maybe we don't understand this passage. Because you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. People that are cheering you on. Rooting for you. I believe this passage to be true. He says, if that is true, let us throw off everything, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Doesn't that sound like Galatians 5 that we just read? Walk by the Spirit and you won't satisfy the desires of your flesh. And he says, listen, throw off all that stuff. And then listen to what he says. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. I've come here this weekend to remind you that you're called to a race. You're called into the race. And the Holy Spirit is here to cheer you on, fill you with power and strength, to be the strength that you need. Listen, there may be bleachers in heaven, but there's only a race to run here on earth. The bleachers are for the next life. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.